0: Hey everyone, welcome or welcome back to the Brave Church Podcast, and thanks for listening. At the end of this talk, please take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Facebook or Instagram, where you can get even more connected to what's going on in our community. But most importantly, we hope the following talk inspires you to take your next step in finding or following Jesus. Well, hey, can I get a quick show of hands if you were with us last weekend? I know it was a holiday weekend. Okay, a lot of you. How about if you caught up on podcast or YouTube? So not just my grandma. That's great. Uh, But my grandma actually, we'll segue there, is here today, my grandma and my grandpa. And uh, they're sitting right here. And we have a photo. But I just wanted to take a moment real quick to honor them, because they're celebrating something really significant this weekend, 62 years of marriage. Isn't that crazy? And so we had lunch yesterday, and I asked Grandpa, I said, hey, give us some tips. Like, how do you get to 62 years? And he said, well, it's really simple. You want to be married for 62 years? Stay married. (laughs) So there you go. Uh, But man, last week, we talked about hearing God. And today, we're going to be looking at talking to God. We're just flipping it around. But really, what this is, is a series on prayer. And there's you know, so much that we could cover beyond just these two weeks. Next week, we're getting back into the Gospel of Mark. We're going to finish Gospel of Mark leading up to Easter. But I just really felt God put it on my heart that we were to talk about prayer for these couple weeks. And so today, talking at God, um, sometimes when we hear the word prayer, we think of different things. For some of us, it's intimidating. We're not really sure if we're doing it right. Uh, is God hearing me? Is there a better way to pray, a wrong way to pray? a more effective way to pray, Uh, but I shared last week, you know, my wife, she came to faith uh, about five years ago here at Brave, and when we met, she wasn't following Jesus, and so when she came to faith, and this whole thing of prayer came up, she, she felt really confused and even frustrated because of the way other Christians around her would talk about prayer, Um, And not really Christians here at Brave, but people that she would meet at work or people even just from her past that, that she knew were Christians. And now she's a Christian, so they'd connect and they'd talk. And the way they would talk about talking to God, it really just made her feel like she was on the outside. Like if she didn't know the right lingo or the right language, that she just wasn't as spiritually deep as they were. And she had to kind of figure things out. And so I think this happens a lot in church. And one of the things that we value here that we say all the time is that everyone is welcome. But welcome looks like something. Welcome isn't just something we say. It's something that needs to be backed up with words and actions. If this is going to be a welcoming place. Sometimes what welcome looks like is using common language that helps people connect with God rather than language that makes us look more connected than they are. Maybe you've been in church for a long time. And maybe you are so deep in Christian subculture that it's hard for you to pray without reverting to Old English. (laughs) Like, thou art the Lord, right? Like, sometimes, I mean, have you ever been in a prayer circle or been praying with someone just like, whoa, where did they come from? (laughs) What era are they living in, right? Like, God speaks today in the language that we understand, So this isn't printed in your notes, but write this down. Say what you mean, not what you've heard. Say what you mean, not what you've heard. A lot of times in church, we end up repeating these religious phrases and talking differently. And most of the time, it's just a product of repeating something that we've heard someone else say. And it just kind of happens. Let me give you a few examples. Here's some Christianese phrases uh, that I think are kind of funny. And I'm going to be honest, like, I've used all of them, OK? So no judgment here. But it's just kind of funny how we how we get. So here's one, Lord willing. Translation, you may think I'll be there, but I won't. <laughs> took a little while for you guys to get that one. I don't feel led. You can't make me. <laughs> or the Lord works in mysterious ways. Uh, I'm totally clueless on how to help you. <laughs> Or if it's God's will, it will happen. Translation, I really don't think God's going to answer this one. (laughs) Last one, Uh, you just have to put it in God's hands. In other words, don't expect me to help you. (laughs) Honestly, like these are just a few, and they're kind of funny. But really, sometimes when we pray, we just, we think we need to be something that we're not, or we think we need to do something that's just unnatural or different, like almost like we have to get God's attention turn to the person next to you and say, let's just keep it real. Let's just keep it real. The bottom line is God's, he's not into perfect prayers. He wants real prayers. Talking to God isn't performance-based. Powerful prayers are powerful because they're real and they're from the heart. Because when we're being real with ourselves and we're being real with God, he can meet us there and he can speak to us and he can bring us into a greater reality. Maybe you've never tried talking to God. You might be you know, totally exploring faith. This is all super new. We love that you're here. Maybe you've had a bad experience talking to God uh, just in prayer. Maybe you were confused or didn't really know what was going on. Not, not really that God was confusing you, right? Because he doesn't confuse us. But maybe you've been confused by some other people. Or maybe you've been talking to God for a long time, but you still got some questions. And my, my hope for all of us in this room, wherever you're at on that spectrum, is that, that you would know that there is more that there is more that God wants for us in relationship with him if we are willing to have the kind of conversations that Jesus wants to have with us. So today we're talking about talking to God. And if you have a Bible with you, go to Psalm 63, and you can follow along. You can also use the notes. In fact, if you didn't get notes, just raise your hand. Our ushers will get those to you. And uh, you're gonna want notes today. But we're looking at Psalm 63, and in this psalm, it actually covers four different types of prayers. And it's really profound because each of these different types of prayer is connected to a different mood, a different emotion, a different feeling that we might feel. And, and this talk um, is really, I think, um, I think it's an important subject for us to consider. Because sometimes in faith, we just think about our problems, and bringing our problems to God, and asking him to solve them. But God actually wants us, he's actually a person, not just a problem solver. And so there is so much more to communicating with him that he wants us to know about. And these four different types of prayer, they just illustrate several ways that we might relate to God, ways that he wants to talk to us, okay? So let's get into this. Um, Psalm 63, the first one is lament, This is a cry to the Lord out of distress, and it's grounded in a trust for who he is. The second one is praise, proclaiming the word of the Lord for who he is and what he does with deep love and respect. We do this often when we sing songs of worship. The third is imprecation. Now this one, this isn't a word we use very often, okay? but it's a really important kind of prayer. This is angrily begging the Lord, to punish evildoers for the sake of injustice. You know, if you you just think about this last year, few years in our country, there's been a lot of injustice being brought to light. If you look around the, the world, I mean on social media and, and the news, we're so much more aware of what's happening in our in our world. And there's a lot of injustice. And I think sometimes we don't know what to do with that. And God wants us to know that that whether you see this injustice and you feel angry or or sad or whatever you feel that you can you can call out evil in prayer with him that there's a place to go with him that he actually wants us to be angry about the things that anger him and to talk to him about them. Number 4, trust. A motive celebration of the Lord's goodness and faithfulness, believing that he will act graciously. Now, don't raise your hand, but I wonder how many of us in this room, if we consider our prayer life over, you know, the, since we started praying or even just the last few few weeks or months, I wonder how often it's about a prayer request. Probably most of the time for a lot of us, because prayer is really powerful and we know that God hears us. And really, our relationship with God begins by what he's done and what he can do for us. And so when you've got a friend that is that powerful, right? like created the world, created you, knows everything, is capable of the impossible, you're probably going to think, man, what can he do for for me? God, what, what can God do? And so we end up having a lot of conversations with God about what he can do for us. And that's not bad. That's a good thing. God wants us to turn to him and to be dependent on him. But I think there's a lot more that God wants to say to us and to do in our lives through prayer. I was looking back this week on journals entries that I wrote from when I was in middle school. I used to, every day, I would, I would write what God was saying to me in scripture, and then I would write a prayer. And every single one of my prayers, like, no joke, every single one of them was a request. Like, it was the only way I knew how to pray in middle school. And I think it was, a lot of it was just, I really liked Aladdin back then, like, dating myself, but it was popular, and Disney, it's Disney's fault. God was my genie. And I'm like, God, you can you're way more powerful than that cartoon, right? And so every day I was like asking God for stuff, praying for stuff. But listen, God wants more for our prayer lives than to answer our requests or forgive our sins. He wants us to cry out to him with our pain, to lament. He wants us to go to a healthy place with our anger and and let it out, just be, be honest with it. He wants to be praised and worshiped for how good he is. And he wants us to declare our trust in him regardless of our circumstances. But to pray these kinds of prayers, we've got to be real. Have you ever prayed to God almost like you're asking for a friend, (laughs) right? Like you're just kind of minimizing the situation or kind of almost like you have to sugarcoat it or act like things are better than they are, but there's no need to pretend with God. He's the safest person to be real with. So if we want to have real conversations with God, we've got to be real with ourselves and then real with him. And when we get real with God and real with ourselves, wow, something shifts in our, in our spiritual life. Something shifts in, in our relationship with God. So let's take a look at Psalm 63 and let's see some of these prayers in action. Okay, Starting in verse 1. It says, a Psalm of David when he was in the desert of Judah. Oh, God, you are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Number one, when we turn to God in loneliness, our soul can be revived. I wonder how many in this room feel lonely. The thing about loneliness is it's usually an effect of something else. We don't just start off lonely. Maybe you've been betrayed. You know what it's like for someone close to you, someone that you should have been able to trust, and they betrayed you. And if we're not careful, we start to isolate and pull back, and we're just not as open with our heart as we once were. Or maybe you've been abandoned. You know what it's like for someone to leave you? And now it's kind of like, hey, uh, I don't know if they're going to stay with me. So again, we just kind of hold back some of our heart. We isolate. and We get a little bit more lonely. Or maybe we are afraid that people are going to judge us. Maybe you've been judged. Um, I think that's a huge one because We've, we, we put ourselves out there all the time online. There's so many places. You know, bullying, obviously, is a huge issue on our campuses. So even at a young age right now, people are feeling very judged. I read a study recently this week based on the UCLA Loneliness Scale, and they called 20,000 adults, and they found that 54% of them said that they feel like no one actually knows them well. Additionally, 56% of people said that the people they surround themselves with are not necessarily with them. And approximately 40% said they lack companionship, their relationships aren't meaningful, and they feel isolated from others. I hear this, and the first thing I think of is, man, what can we do about this? But then I'm reminded, at least here at Brave is that we've got home churches, we've got life classes, we've got events, we've got all kinds of opportunities for people to have meaningful connections with others, to know and be known. So no matter how close your friendships are, we need more than just other people. And that's what David's talking about here. This is a loneliness that comes from lacking God in your life, a lack of God's presence in your life. It doesn't matter how social you are. It doesn't matter how many parties you go to, how many dinners you have planned, how many coffee meetups you have. There is no substitute to the presence of God in your life. There is a loneliness that our souls are thirsty for, and it cannot be filled without God. Only God can create a revival in your soul. Only God in a dry and weary desert place can quench your thirst. Verse 2 it says, I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. Number two, having a vision of who God is changes how we see everything else. David saying, God, I see you. I've seen you before, I see what you're doing. I've seen you in all of these different ways and my response is to praise you. When we catch a vision of who God is, it's almost automatic, we can't help but praise him when we really see who he is. So when you're talking to God, who are you envisioning? What's God like? What's, the, what's this person like that you're talking to? Exodus 34 actually gives us a great picture of who God is. And if if, if, this is in your notes, and if you want, circle some of the characteristics that stand out to you. It says, and he passed in front of Moses proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He is just. What's amazing about praying with a clear vision of who God is is it gives us the energy and the empowerment to be more like him, to be Exodus 34 people, not just to see who he is, but to be like him. Prayer, it's an opportunity to talk to God. And when we're talking to God and we think about who he is and we've got a vision of him, We see our circumstances differently. See, maybe you're bringing some circumstances to God. Maybe there's some things that you're frustrated with or hurt by, and you're bringing them to God. But what if sometimes they're actually an opportunity for you to be compassionate, for you to be more gracious or more loving, slow to anger, faithful? Is there someone in your life that when you go and talk to, and maybe you're kind of worked up or you're frustrated, right, and they just make you feel better, and they kind of ground you. God, a relationship with God is like that, but a billion times that. Conversations with a vision of who God is changes how we see things. Because God wants to let us in on his point of view, and he's got the best point of view. Verse 6, on my bed I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night, because you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your wings. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. Number three, when you can't sleep, remember God. Uh, One of the things that I love about talking to God is he's always available 24-7. And we don't have to worry about what we talk to him about, being too heavy, being too much of a burden. And in every other human relationship, timing's a big deal. But God, he's always ready to talk. He's always available. Uh, Sometimes if I get an idea or I want to talk to someone about something, it's just not the appropriate time. Like maybe it's the middle of the night. It's 2 a.m. So I have to send an email. But with God, he's there. He's ready. Like if I woke my wife up every time I wanted to talk to her about something, I would be sleeping in the living room (laughs) immediately. (laughs) She's not here, so I can say that. But What's even more amazing to me about this psalm and just thinking about what David's saying isn't just that we can talk to God anytime, but that sometimes he wakes us up. See, maybe you don't have a friend that you can call at 2 a.m., but can God call you at 2 a.m.? Can God wake you up? See, a lot of times when we can't sleep, what do we do? We think, we problem solve, we pull out our phone and scroll, right, or we watch a show, or we just go get something to eat. That's what I do. Uh, but what if that's a moment that God's trying to connect with you? What if he's trying to wake you up? Since I was a teenager, I've been catching my parents sneaking out of the house, <laughs> which is weird because you would think that they would be catching me. They never caught me. No, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> but I would catch them sneaking out of the house. And I remember just like thinking, hey, where, where are they going? And like talking to my brother, like, hey, where are they going? But what they would do is when they Couldn't sleep, they would go on prayer drives. And they would drive through the community where they pastored, and God would give them ideas and vision, but He would also enlarge their heart for people. What if we remembered God when we can't sleep? What if talking to God in the middle of the night is one of the ways that He wants to deepen your relationship with Him? Verse 9 it says, Those who want to kill me will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. They'll be given over to the sword and become food for jackals. Number four, direct anger at the true enemy. Where do you go with your anger? What do you do when you're upset? Most of us direct our anger in one of two directions. We direct our anger at God, or we direct our anger at people. When we're wronged, we focus on the person. They become our enemy. Or when our world is rocked with grief, And loss, we blame God. But David has a different approach. Instead of blaming God, he directs his anger at the true enemy, evil himself. People are never your enemy. So David, he's focusing his anger on God, not on God, excuse me, on the things that God is angry about. God actually invites us to share in his anger towards evil, to recognize the source. And I really think this is one of the ways that God gives us more passion for the things he's called us to do. All the great leaders and men and women of God throughout the Bible, they got really passionate about injustice, really passionate about the effects of evil and things that were not right. And so sometimes it's time spent in prayer, responding to those things that God uses uses to, to give us passion for the things he's called us to do. So instead of focusing our anger on God, we want to focus our anger on the true enemy. God, he is angry when you're hurting. He is angry when innocent lives are lost. He is angry when the weak are taken advantage of. I have a friend who's going through a really difficult time. And it's a time that would lead a lot of us to get angry at God and just stay angry at God. And she sent a text to my wife and I this week. So she lost a baby after carrying it for 17 weeks and then had to have it surgically removed. And we were checking in on her. And this week, she sent a text to us. And with her permission, I want to read it to you. She said, so when I was pregnant, I would have sworn up and down that we were having a girl. When I envisioned our future family and I prayed about it, I always saw another little girl. So of course, when I got pregnant, I thought, this is it. This is our girl. For a couple days after my surgery, I was in a really dark place. And I kept hearing God saying, praise me. And I didn't want to. I was just so mad at him. And after a few days, when I felt like I had nothing left inside me and was at rock bottom, I finally turned to him. I verbally surrendered my baby to him and thanked him for the privilege of carrying that life for 17 weeks, rather than never at all. I thanked him over and over for all the incredible blessings we have. And of course, I immediately started to feel better and find peace with what's happened. Then, about a week ago, I started having the same dream, over and over, of me entering heaven, and God handing me a baby boy and telling me his name is Judah. All throughout last week when I was praying, I kept hearing the name Judah, which was kind of weird because it wasn't a name that we'd been considering. Well, yesterday we got the pathology report back and learned that he was a little boy. So of course, his name will be Judah. I looked it up last night, and it means praise. How perfect is that? In the darkest days of my life, I've never felt closer to the Lord. And I'm so grateful for hearing his voice in such a beautiful and healing way. See, a lot of times when we reach these dark places, these dark moments in life, these moments that hurt, where we feel pain, we feel lonely, we feel abandoned, whatever it is, we have this tendency of trying to just kind of carry it ourselves and keep it inside. And when we do that, it wrecks us, because we're trying to carry a burden that we were never created to carry. I don't, I don't want to live my life. I'm a follower of Jesus. I don't wanna, why would I live my life? trying to carry burdens that I was never capable of carrying. And so prayer is one of the places where we meet God and we surrender our burdens. We turn to him. In dark places, we look for the light. And so God wants to use these moments. I don't know what you're going through today. Maybe maybe things are good. Praise God. But if you're here today and you're going through a difficult time, I just want to encourage you to turn to God. Let him speak to you. Don't Stop trying to carry it on your own. Would you bow your heads with me just for a moment? I want to pray with you. And before we respond in worship, at the time of prayer and praise, if there's anyone here today that wants to begin this eternal conversation with God, to commit their life to him, to make Jesus Lord, to recognize the sacrifice, the death and the resurrection of Jesus, if you're at that place where you want to cross that line of faith today, I just want to give you an opportunity to do that. I'm not going to have you um, stand or come forward, but just go ahead and raise your hand if you want to make that decision today. Amen. Amen. Well, those who raise their hands and everyone else in this room, let's repeat this prayer together. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me, for dying for me, so that I could find my way back home. I now commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, in this moment, you can stand, you can sit, you can kneel, but we're going to enter into this time of worship, and we're going to bring our pain to God, and then we're going to praise him. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Bay Area, we would love for you to join us at a Sunday gathering in San Ramon. For directions, gathering times, or information about our Brave Kids program, visit us at brave.church. Also, if you want to help support what God is doing through Brave, you can give online to the Brave Foundation at brave.church forward slash foundation.